I think, Aaron, what we have learned and really what all educators have learned, especially over the last decade, is that these types of behaviors that may lead to either self-harm or harming others, they usually begin to appear at a very early age. And so our staff is working very closely with our teachers, with our counselors, our social workers, even in the elementary schools to try to identify, to look for the signals and the symptoms of these emerging behaviors so that we can intervene and provide support and make sure that children are getting the resources that they may need to avert and avoid any kind of a, a real tragedy like we've seen in the news. Welcome to season two of the Eans Parents Unite podcast. I'm your dutiful host, Aaron Silva. We are very excited to be encouraged by the parents, teachers, and students and the leadership of EISD to present a second season to you. And I'm going to do my best to make this season even more interesting to everyone in our community by discussing all of those hard-hitting and sometimes controversial subjects that affect and impact the excellent education we all want for our children. You know, when we started the podcast last December, most of our topics and the podcast itself was in response to an overall lack of communication, a lack of open and honest discussion about difficult concerns and issues that many of us were passionate about. Frankly, we felt ignored. Well, I'm happy to say I don't think we're being ignored. We have helped to make an impact because the dialogue between the district leadership, parents, and students has certainly opened up quite a bit. And for that, we are grateful. This season, we are going to be even more deliberate, more purposeful, and more direct about all the topics we discuss on the podcast. We're also going to have a little bit more fun, jazz things up a little bit, and try to bring the entertainment value up at least a few notches while adding additional cycles of accountability reporting. We will also coordinate some of our shows with a new and expanded communications program that our new superintendent, Dr. Jeff Arnett, has proposed. A little later, we will sit with our fearless leader and discuss that further. So what's new this season? Well, first, more regular episodes. We plan at least two per month with a bonus standalone mini episode focused exclusively on the titillating details about board meetings you're all missing while at home watching reruns of Matlock. And if you know who Matlock is, you're definitely a parent. Second, we're going to introduce recurring segments from some of our community leaders and influential parents that will bring into focus the issues and opinions I think you need to know about. Third, we're going to add more experts. You know, we built a good amount of our content last season around upset and pissed off parents, concerned and confused alumni that were all worried about the direction our board of directors was taking the district. Well, we're certainly going to have parents on this season too, but we're also going to bring in an outside experts and specialists that can add a third party and let's say neutral perspective to some of the topics we discuss. From time to time, we will sprinkle in human interest topics that may stray from putting the school in the crosshairs, but put ourselves in the crosshairs. And fourth, we're adding sponsors. I'll tell you, the gratitude I have for our anchor sponsor, Ean's Kids First, during season one cannot be understated. You know, this podcast is not cheap to produce. We are professionally engineered and guided by experts that cost tens of thousands of dollars. And for this podcast to work, I think it has to be excellent and of the highest production value. To bring more of the community into the fold that supports what we are doing, it's a logical progression and welcome step to add 
sponsors. Fifth, access to yours truly. If I got any criticism last season, it was about the fact that it appeared that I was hard to contact. I'm not sure how anyone can be hard to contact in this day and age, but this year, we are standing up our own website at EansParentsUnite.com. Or even easier, you can find us at EansPodcast.com. There you will be able to comment, give feedback, ask questions of future guests, donate money, even talk to me directly. And by the way, we do not have a social media presence because I have no interest in anonymous attacks or online fights from distant factions that don't have the courage to have an open, transparent, and two-way dialogue. After all, that's what we set out to have from the very first episode. And finally, what's new for this year is continued accountability of our district and leadership. Respectful kind, honest, civil, and open accountability is the way it is supposed to be. The podcast needs to be approachable, and so do our leaders. This forum is an open arms for any EANS executive, any teacher or board member that would like to come on and discuss anything their heart desires. Just contact me through the website or call me directly any day or night, and we would love to hear from you. Now, let's get on with season two of the podcast. in. Oh, it's Dr. Jeff Arnett making a podcast house call. All right, Dr. Arnett, uh, congratulations for accepting uh, the leadership role as superintendent for our district. How does it feel so far? It feels great. Uh, We've had a really good beginning to the school year. Uh, Many have commented that this is the first time in probably three years it feels like a normal start and you can sense the energy, if not the relief, in our campuses as you move among the students and the staff. I agree. Uh, I've certainly felt that, too, and talking to other parents. I think it's a very positive start. There's a lot of um, built-up anticipation for something normal. Well, thank you for coming back to the podcast and agreeing to be our Season 2 opening guest. (laughs) And uh, you've also agreed to be a recurring guest this season. I think... Um, our lawyers and your handlers have negotiated, I think, a total of uh, four shows, provided we all remove we remove all the green M&Ms from the candy bowl and that you always have a cup of Earl Grey tea, Splenda only, right? I, You know what? I'm pretty low maintenance, so if that's what was negotiated with you, I wasn't even aware of it because okay, I wouldn't well, ask for yeah. anything more than a glass of water. Uh, so the last time we met... I started the interview off with a a surprise question, one that you're not anticipating. So I'm going to do this again. Okay. All right. Yankees or Rays? (laughs) Well, gee, you know, I'm I'm a traditionalist. So I know that we've got uh, some Yankee fans who live in the school district. And uh, I I guess I'll be on their side of history. And uh, I'll root alongside of our New York fans. Okay. Um, Mets or Braves? It's a pretty close one. Two games. Uh, yeah, it is. You know, the, the Mets have not been there for a while, so I always tend to favor the underdog. Um, okay. And since the Braves won it most recently, I'll go with the Mets. All right. Astros or Mariners? Another relatively close well, race. Well, you, you've got to go with your home state team. Yeah. And uh, much like the Yankee fans, we've got to be in more Astro fans in the school district, so I'll go yeah. with Houston. Well, speaking of home home state team, being from Illinois, the Cubs are like 18 games back. 
<laughs> what do you well, what do you think? Okay. Okay, so here's what if if you're going to talk baseball, most people don't re- don't realize that um, even though I lived in Chicago for a number of years, I am not a Cubs fan. Oh. Uh, I was in St. Louis for many years and it's hard to live in St. Louis and not be a Cardinals fan. Baseball so Wonderland. The Cardinals are my diehard team. They're the the uh. team that I will always root for. First and foremost. All right. Well, I will, um, in our next uh, podcast, I will single them out. So you and I met over the summer. Um, You were nice enough to uh, invite me over, and we sat. And you shared with me this um, new kind of broad communications agenda you have for uh, the district this year. It includes um, town halls, some listening Mm -hmm. dinners, I think you're calling them, Mm -hmm. Um, more more direct, high-touch parent uh, conversations, actually, and even some student uh, engagement, um, mm-hmm. more direct from the leadership in the school. Can you give us a broad brush on, you know, what you're doing, why you're doing it, and just, you know, put some color on it for us? Well, I like a good cup of coffee, and we're calling it the CAFE series. Uh, and, okay. and CAFE is an acronym that we say stands for Conversations About Furthering excellence, and we'd love to have those conversations over a cup of coffee or a light meal. Uh, so there are a series of things that we're thinking of this year. Uh, we're going to introduce a series of topical town hall meetings. Uh, we're going to start one in September on the topic of safety and security, which we're going to talk about during this conversation. Uh, we're also intending to have a series of listening dinners. They'll probably be small, kind of intimate occasions where we'll purposely bring together some people from very different perspectives and backgrounds and give them an opportunity to hear and listen to each other's stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the past, the school district has always had what it called the state of the district presentations. Uh, We do a number of those in the fall, often for parents, and then we'll come back in the second semester and do them for staff. We want to call those campus conversations this year mm-hmm. and make them more conversational. Uh, we'll talk about things that are going on in the district, but really make them more dialogue-based around a, a cup of coffee and talk about uh, things that are of interest to families and staff and parents at the local level. And then um, you probably have noticed that we're doing a lot more on social media this year, trying to be more active on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I've not yet summoned the courage to do a TikTok site uh, because I'm just not a very good dancer. Uh, Yeah, please please don't do that. If you do it, uh, can I record it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'll be for all the world to see and uh, at the embarrassment of my own children because uh, they tell me that I shouldn't go there. Um, But social media is another vehicle and avenue that we're using to try to share the good news and try to introduce people to uh, those people that make our school district so unique and special. This is a new level of engagement we haven't seen. I'm not even sure there's a precedent of it um, in the school's history. Why? Why are you? Why are you doing this? I mean, you've you've been here a long time. Uh, you certainly could have influenced this previously, potentially. But why are you doing this now? What's what do you want? What do what the outcome? Well, be? I. Yeah, I think uh, for two reasons. One, it's more reflective of my personality and my style. Uh, I value relationships and conversation and listening. And we felt like these approaches would be more aligned with my personality and the way that I like to develop relationships with people. 
Um, and I think the second reason is one that you alluded to earlier, Aaron. Uh, we, we take seriously our mission, and the first part of our mission statement is to unite. And uh, we feel like these efforts will help us hopefully unite the community and bring people together and develop an appreciation and a respect for not only each other's stories, but what makes this such a good school district. Okay, that's, 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 that sounds great. You know, um, we're gonna focus here in a minute on at least one of your formats, which is the town halls. You talked about the listening dinners. Mm-hmm. Um, are the listening dinners, are they kind of hand-picked parents? Are they the usual suspects? Are you going to pull names out of a hat? You know, how do you get on a listening dinner and get in the club? Yeah, well, you know, people have let me know that they would enjoy being a part of an experience like that. And because we'll be doing them over the course of the next school year, hopefully there will be ample opportunity. But we want those to be very comfortable. Um, As I said earlier, a more intimate setting. So it's probably going to be conversation over a light dinner. Uh, but because we we want them to be more conversational, it will be a smaller group. And we also want to be intentional and choose people that we know represent uh, different perspectives and different backgrounds and bring them together in a very purposeful setting. The town hall meetings, on the other hand, will be open to any and everyone who wants to attend. We look forward to those because that will be a truly an opportunity for everybody in the community who has an interest in a particular topic to come together. I, I agree uh, that I have noticed over the last couple of years, a, a lot of uh, you know small little tribes have formed, small parental, parental groups have formed. I certainly know, you know, my family is in one group and there's other groups and some of them have even organized into committees and they seem to kind of get together and just talk to themselves about themselves. And I, mm-hmm. there's a sense that they're kind of closed and not actively bringing in, you know, outside thought or, you know, inviting a debate or difficult discussions and things like that. This sounds kind of what you're trying to influence, you know, get that going, keep that going or, or, yeah, I, I think uh, the listening dinners specifically uh, are not about the usual suspects. And you used uh-huh. that phrase earlier because we hear that oftentimes. Yeah. And we we don't want to have conversations like this in an echo chamber where it's just people associating with those who are like-minded. Yeah. Uh, what's so great about our community and our school district is its diversity, the people who have come here from all over the world and they have such different perspectives and backgrounds and their orientations are different the way they see the world the lens through which they view education and the experience of being in school Uh, every day i encounter a variety of people who look at that from a very different viewpoint and that's what we're hoping to accomplish in those smaller settings is to intentionally bring together people who we know are from different perspectives and different backgrounds so that they're not just listening to the same tribe or the same mindset that they're accustomed to. Yeah. If you invite them to one of the dinners, are they obligated to pick up the tab? <laughs> no. Um, okay. uh, we'll, we'll, we will provide a nice casual dinner. Okay. No alcohol, uh, okay. because as a school district, that's not something we can do. Yeah. yeah. But over a, a cup of coffee or a glass of iced okay. tea, along with some okay. good food, hopefully it will encourage conversation. So, so we certainly have. Well, that's good. Um, we. <laughs> 
we have we certainly have parents that would love the town hall format, you know, and mm-hmm. we'll get into that in a minute. And certainly some parents that would thrive in a more intimate setting. What about the parents that want to be more direct with you and they don't mm-hmm. even want a small group? You know, how do they get audience with you? I remember you were doing coffee. You had a budget for coffee, uh, coffees <laughs> or something like that before, yeah. right? Yeah, that's probably what inspired the idea of the cafe series is because it's amazing when you're just having a cup of coffee with someone, how people will open up and they become more relaxed and, you know, they'll be very candid about what their concern might be or their questions are. And that's what we're trying to foster this year is more conversation. Uh, But in terms of my accessibility, I think that's one of the great things about a school district of our size is people know how to find me. Uh, I'm not going to hide or shy away from those more direct dialogues around issues of concern or questions. Um, so people know where to find me, and you know I'm I'm readily available and accessible to those that want to have those conversations. Is is this a culture that you're encouraging your management team? to also have, you know, maybe there are things that someone doesn't want to take up with you, but um, perhaps would want to talk to Mr. Trimble about, um, yeah. are they, they have the latitudes and to have these coffee meetings with them and engage at that level as well? Or do you kind of see you starting it and really kind of holding on to that as kind of your thing? No, I mean, it's, it's not that kind of environment. Uh, okay. the, the leadership team here, which we can talk about as being one of the goals, is to create and, and really to continue uh, the approach that we have, which is very much rooted in customer service and hospitality. Uh, you know, we want to be accessible. We want to listen. We want to learn from all of the different perspectives that, that families have or our staff have. So any one of our leadership teams, some of whom you'll meet, today and and in other subsequent conversations, they're all readily available and willing to listen, to have conversations with people. So we encourage that. So let's talk about the town hall. Um, You call them town hall or you call them topical Mm -hmm. town halls, right? Topical town halls because they're specific to certain issues. So you've got four lined out. What are the specific issues you've kind of highlighted and and when will they occur approximately or specifically? So the first we know is going to be on September the 15th, and that will be a town hall devoted to the topic of school safety and security. Uh, We know that that's top of mind for a lot of families as they're coming back to school, although I think you'll hear later, we feel like we're doing a lot of really good work in that area, and it's not something that parents have expressed a lot of concern about, but yet we want to be transparent and we want to be forthright with families about what we are doing and uh, you know some of the things that we hope to do in the future. So that's probably the first subject. Uh, we think that later in the fall, we're probably going to be able to offer a town hall on the topic of library books. Uh, there's a lot of debate still around that topic, but we're doing work in that realm too. And like uh, November timeframe, you think? Yeah, yeah, uh, probably early, early November before the holidays. Th- there's some things that we need to address still internally, and some. Uh, practices that we hope to refine and have in place. And we think that uh, by November, we should have a lot of those buttoned up so that we'll be able to talk about them and answer any questions that people have. I I did think I noticed uh, this morning on the email from the board meeting last night, I think it was the first time I saw something written about the library book 
and I thought that was wonderful uh, that it was, you know, there was other things you talked about in there, but I thought it was a very nice, um, you know, if you're a parent wondering what's going on, uh, you know, didn't give the answers, but it said, you know what, something is happening. It is, it is a, a matter of attention uh, that you're, you're focusing on, which I thought was, I thought that was nice, a nice touch. Well, I think, again, that's an indication that we want to be responsive and we want the community to know that we are listening and we do take these matters seriously. We are focusing our time and attention on a topic that is of interest to a lot of families. Uh, and as you said, we may not have all of the answers right now. And in fact, some of the answers that we can ultimately provide, not everybody may necessarily be happy about those, but yet we, we're trying to be better. You know, th that's an indication, I think, of us wanting to be responsive. Yeah. So library books in the late fall, and then what's, mm -hmm. the, what's the third town hall? Yeah, so in the second semester, uh, soon after the beginning of the new calendar year, uh, we think we're probably going to devote some time to the topic of diversity and equity and inclusion. Um, you know, we own that now as a community and as a culture, and a lot of work, again, is being done internally. By that point in the school year, I think we can talk about what does this look like for Eames? Not, not what is it on the national level, and we understand the broader concerns globally around that topic, but more specifically, what does it look like in Eames and what work has been done, as well as what work has not been done uh, to try to alleviate any concerns that parents have. So that would be, we think, number three in the series and then number four is probably going to be one devoted more to the topic of school finance. We know that's not the most exciting or exhilarating subject. Well, you got the, I uh, heard the B word last night. Uh, yeah, so um, budget and bond. You know, there's a lot of discussion around what our future might look like and how we have to make some decisions that are related to the prospects of another bond as well as what the impact might be on our budget. And by that point, we think we'll have more information out of the upcoming legislative sessions. So if there's anything that changes that affects school finance and the funding formula, we'll be able to talk about it by early spring, we think. So safety and security, September 15th. And where mm -hmm. will that be exactly? Yeah, so that one is going to be at Hill Country Middle School, uh, probably in the cafeteria, we think, uh, just depending upon the response that we get so we can accommodate whoever wants to attend. Okay, and it'll be obviously in the evening for a few hours. And who will you have with you? Or And are you going to be addressing things? Or is it mm -hmm. going to be more of you taking input? Is there going to be a presentation? What would parents expect if they came that they might not see, um, you know, in a board meeting or something? Yeah, and, and that's the reason why we're doing it is because it does provide a different format than a board meeting. Uh, we know that uh, sometimes people are frustrated by the board meeting format. And, you know, we've had this conversation before yeah, as well. Yeah. It is a business meeting. It's not conducive to the board or to the administration interacting with the audience. But the town hall meetings, on the other hand, are meant to encourage dialogue. And so we think the format of that is going to be um, a very succinct overview of what we're doing in school safety and security provided by our staff. Um, you'll hear from Jeremy Trimble in this conversation. Mm -hmm. But mental health and the well-being of our students is also an important part of that equation. 
So you'll hear from some individuals on uh, who are more involved in the counseling and mental health aspects okay. of what we do every day who can talk about um, okay. that part of school safety and security. Um, the conversation will be facilitated or moderated by someone who is not on staff with the school district uh, to try to encourage that dialogue. Okay. And then we'll open it up for questions and answers. So, mm -hmm. so if a couple hundred parents show up, that would be fantastic. If 50 parents yeah. show up, that's fine. Moderated, you kind of, kind of a Donahue type character running through the audience, <laughs> putting the microphone. I mean, yeah, maybe people can bring anything they want, and they'll be able to ask any question they want. No bad questions. No. You know, you want it. You want to hear it all. You want to hear yeah, it we, all, and you want to be able to respond to what they're saying as best you can. It's not going to be do. like a one-way dialogue. So that's great. No. No. So, That's and I, I think, uh, you know, the format may be somewhat organic depending upon how many people actually attend. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's a really big audience, then we'll probably have to approach it differently, but we still want to give people the opportunity to engage. And if it's a smaller audience, then it'll be more, much more conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Arnett, can you introduce, um, our guest we have, uh, with you today and we can maybe direct some of these questions to him. Yeah, well, you know, we have a fantastic leadership team in Eanes ISD. I'm really proud of the staff that help me lead every day, and I'm inspired by them. And I think that our principals and our parents who interact with them appreciate their transparency and their accessibility, one of whom is here with me today. Uh, Jeremy Trimble is our assistant superintendent for operations and planning. We talk about the house that we live in, and there are two parts to the house or two sides. One of those is curriculum and instruction and all of the things that happen on the learning side of the house. Uh, the other side of the house is all the operations, um, everything from transportation to child nutrition, the maintenance and grounds and the operation of our facilities. But school safety and security is a big part of that, even more so now than it probably was uh, five or 10 years ago. And Jeremy Trimble is fantastic. Uh, many of our staff and parents know Jeremy because he's he's very visible in our schools. In fact, they probably see him out there sometimes filling in as a crossing guard uh, during dismissal times in the afternoon on some of our campuses. Um, but Jeremy is so dedicated, he's so selfless, and he takes a lot of uh, what we do so seriously, in, including and especially school safety and security. And so Jeremy's with me on today's podcast. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Pleasure to be here. Okay. So um, so you're the guy that's in charge, uh, the bus that speeds by my house every day. Uh, <laughs> you're the guy I call? You, you found me. You I found, found me. you. I'm the, I'm, Finally. I'm the guy you call. Yeah. <laughs> All those calls you haven't returned? Guess what, baby? We're on a podcast now. No. Okay. Your, your bus drivers are fantastic. He's a captive I'm, I'm, audience, Eric. Yeah, I got him. Yeah. Unfortunately, I cannot talk my wife into putting the kids on the bus, which kills me to no end considering the taxes we pay. I'm like, put them on the bus. Let's get some love return. Well, I appreciate you being here, and um, you're going to be leading this town hall. This, this falls under your roles and responsibilities, say physical safety and security of the campuses, right? Yes, yes. And partnered with Molly May, our assistant superintendent of curriculum and instruction and assessment, I'll be joining her and we'll kind of facilitate this this meeting together in order to, to answer those questions that may be out there in our community. Okay. Well, let me, throw, let me throw one at you, General, not so much about the event. What is the status of our safety 
our children's safety in the district right now. You know, can you give us a synopsis of, it's not a simple issue. I'm sure it's very complex because safety comes in many different forms and response and all, you know, all things in there. Can you give us just a, you know, two minutes on what safety looks like for our district and what parents would want to kind of know so they can start to frame in their mind when they do come to the town hall, what to think about and maybe what to ask. Sure thing. Well, school safety is, is nothing new. We know that. We, we work on this constantly. Um, myself, my team, all of us, um, even our community knows how important that that is. We we as a staff have the ultimate responsibility, right? We, the care and safety of our community's most treasured possessions, and those are our children, your, your children. Um, and so we've worked year after year. We've implemented things time after time. And we do this with bond dollars. So again, we thank our community for su- supporting um, the bonds that are out there because that enables us to really implement new measures um, as they become um, available. One of the priorities here is the school always has to be a safe place. The, the, the minute that our students don't feel safe is is kind of that, that moment that we've lost something uh, in, in, in the education process. So we don't want that to happen. And so we're always very diligent in, in making sure that our schools are safe, that we have proper training for our staff, because um, that's our eyes and ears on, on our campuses um, each, and, each and every day. Also, so that our students will communicate. If they see something, we need them to say something so we can all work diligently together. School safety is not, again, it's not only about hardened facilities. That's not what this is about. It's not about uh, that 100%. Um, and so it's the mental health aspects from the, from the intervention and the prevention, but also being prepared um, and having those things in place and the staff in place to, to support our needs if an incident was to happen. And again, all this is in place. This is not only for a critical incident. This is for, for anything. It may be weather related. We may have a fire. Um, all these plans are in place to support any type of crisis that may come up. You know, when I think of security, again, as a layperson and as a parent, but trying to kind of divorce the emotional side of what I worry about as a parent, and more on the practical side, I think when someone is um, looking at physical security or the threats that might be a security risk, they perform like a safety sort of readiness assessment. Does a school have an equivalent or a measure um, that tells the school itself and, and, the, and the families that, you know what, we've checked all these boxes and, you know, we are doing everything we should prudently be doing either by guidance or just by common sense. Do we have something like that? Is that a document? Can you maybe share that a little bit? I sure can. Um, the foundation of, of school safety is our emergency operations plans um, that every school district in the state is required to have. Um, that requirement comes from TEA, the Texas Education Agency, through the Texas School Safety Center out of San Marcos. Uh, and so those emergency operations plans are just that. They're a plan, and we train on that plan. But there's also so many things that, that, we, that we do that, that we have uh, controls for. And uh, from our exterior door locks, you've been hearing a lot of that just this summer. The Governor Abbott on the 1st and 2nd of June gave directives to both of those agencies to put new um, directives out to school districts uh, to support the safety in our public schools, um, including audits, um, exterior door audits, pared down just school audits, just looking at many, many factors um, within our, our schools, giving us tools to utilize. Um, we're actually 
doing weekly audits of all of our exterior doors now, and that we'll carry that on uh, move, moving forward. Um, so we have those in, in place. We, we've tried to go a little extra each time that a mandate is put um, in, in place um, to, to make sure that we're doing everything we can. We learn from these events. Uvalde is an example of something that we can learn from. Um, and we put tools out there for, for our staff and for our students. One example I'll give you yeah. is uh, the perimeter is so important. If we can yeah. protect our perimeter, we're in much better shape. And so that has to do with doors. Um, and that's a behavior concern that door may be propped. We, we need to change that behavior. So our communication is out there. Signage is out there to remind those how important it is. But, but also we have little stickers on our doors that have a QR code. So if there's an issue that's identified in a door, you snap that QR code, you send it to us, we get it immediately. We huh. have a work order system, but uh -huh. this is to get immediate action on any um, situation that we may need to resolve. So it's those little tiny things that we try to, to take that extra step to, to make sure that we can, we can react to anything. Yeah. Um, well, it's an example of, um, I'm sure the QR code is a best practice as wasn't handed down by the governor. And it's remarkable that the governor would have to hand down something like make sure the doors are locked, right? It's sort of, again, scratch your head on that one. There's gotta be thousands of doors in the district. Um, you know, to do that. Um, you know, when I was a kid growing up in the Cold War, I remember that we used to have duck and cover drills. Um, I lived in California in the Bay Area. The siren would go off. We would all get under our desks. Someone would pull these very, very heavy drapes that were designed to stop glass from blasting in and shredding the children. And, you know, as a kid, uh, I don't, you know, we kind of did it sort of, and then we knew we got to go to lunch, you know, it was that, that type of thing. You know, th what's going on now, I think it, it hits, it certainly must hit people at a different nerve and must hit children in a different way. Do we, are we doing things like this inside the school? Like we did duck and cover, you know, are we doing these types of things at all levels of our schools? Um, and then what are you sensing from children and students about how these horrible things are happening, how that's affecting them. Where again, as when I was a kid, you know, Russia might bomb you. You know, I mean, you just what does it mean? You know, type thing. You have any? Can you give a little, a little bit on that? I'm asking more as a parent on this one, frankly. Yeah, I would say we're required to do drills, and I don't want to just say required to do drills so we do them. Uh, it's the way in which we conduct these drills that's important. We have shelter drills, we have fire drills, um, we have secure drills, um, but one of those important drills tied to some of the critical incidents is just a lockdown drill. We conduct these drills um, in a manner that is not invasive to students or staff. We don't want to do that, but we want to practice in a way that we know how to react in a certain situation when a directive um, is given. So what we do is we partner with law enforcement. We partner with first responders. Uh, we want these individuals in our campuses anyway, because we want, we don't want them just to show up when we're in, when we're in a critical need. We want to build those relationships. So we have them kind of run with us um, in these drills. What's important about these drills is the conversations that happen after the drill is, is complete between our staff, our teachers, and the students. We give them the opportunity to give us feedback. Uh, if there's anything, any questions they had, 
we want to make sure that we ad- we address those and so they understand what what's going on because the reaction from a first grader is going to be very different than the reaction yeah. from an 11th grader and the questions are going to vary um as well and and with each year that goes by we get more interesting questions um more realistic questions uh, about certain situations um and so that's a learning opportunity uh, for us as well do the kids take it more seriously than i probably did you know, I mean, I, I know you want to imagine you want to run these drills in a way that don't scare the hell out of everybody. Um, but you have to run it in a way that's serious, right? They have to take it seriously. I mean, they get, what, what are you doing to instill that seriousness? Or maybe you don't have to because it's all over the news. I can t- tell you from my personal observations, um, because I try to go on as many of these drills as possible, hitting hitting every campus. Uh, we do these uh, lockdown drills twice a year. So we're hitting them once a semester. And um, I will tell you the reaction, they're good, right? Um, you know, you'll go into classrooms and they're hidden. Um, they're not nervous. They're just calm. I gotcha. see a calmness in our students. I see a calmness in our teachers. And we we all know that the students are probably going to feed off of that teacher, right? They respect them. They have that relationship. As long as the teachers are trained and they're calm, then the students remain calm. And that's the biggest piece of feedback that I can get from walking in in a room and and having a conversation with them, telling them they did an incredible job um, and the drill is now over. Um, So I I would say the calmness is is very positive. Well, um, it leads me to kind of a, a question I had sitting here. If you do your part, and the children do what they're supposed to do under the leadership of, you know, these teachers, what happened in Uvalde was the second part didn't happen, right? Which is the law enforcement didn't do their job. You know, I'm, I'm, that's obviously still ongoing, but it's, it's, you know, terrible that you would do everything right and then they wouldn't do their job. How close are you working with our law enforcement? What does the relationship look like? Are you... Um, you know, do you do get visits from the sheriff and the constables and the, you know, APD? Are they on campus? It is a regular thing. Are they looking at your plans? You know, are you challenging them or are they coming through these exercises with you? Uh, you know, what's what's that look like? Well, I will tell you right now, it it, it starts with two, with, with two guys here. Uh, we have Brent Kelly, BK. He is our director of safety and security. And then we have Matt Greer, who is our director of safety and risk management. Um, we have an incredible team. It is unique to school districts, um, but it does give us a lot of leverage in their knowledge. Those two individuals, they're kind of the conduit, right, um, that, that unites all these practices, unites all, uh, all of these first responders. Both of them former law enforcement, so, so they have that background. But that's the only background they have. Uh, so they have very unique skills that really benefit um, school districts and children. So with that, that's their ultimate goal is to, they already have some of those relationships built, but having conversations with them, bringing them to drills. And so they are, they are, these gentlemen, these, these law enforcement folks are coming to drills, walking down the halls, pretending as if something is happening, Mm -hmm. dry runs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. As much as possible. I'll give you a, a good example. I'm Please. all about inviting people in, uh, anyone into into our district tied to law enforcement. We had a training um, that is put on by the Texas School Safety Center. It was conducted at Hill Country Middle School uh, this summer. And we had hundreds of school-based law enforcement 
officers training here in our district. That was at Hill Country um, a few days before school yep. opened. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I drove over there and thought, oh my gosh, look at all these. You know, I was taking yeah. my kid to soccer practice. I'm like, we're cool. Everything's nothing's going to happen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha. Uh, but yes, we, we're always we're always inviting them in and building those relationships. We have a lot of j- different jurisdictions that we're dealing yeah. with here. Yeah, um, a lot lo- of locally. A- across the school district. Uh, but one of the, you know, Westlake Hills uh, Police Department, very close here, just down the street from administrative offices in the, in the high school. We had a great meeting with them and, try, and trying to, to, to support each other uh, and, and they want to be more a part of, of our drills and anything that we may do. So that was very positive coming, coming out of the most recent events. Okay. Um, a couple more questions and then we can wrap up. At the top, we talked about security being also mental security, mental sa- uh, safety being mental safety. And a lot of experts um, nationally and internationally that are studying these critical incidents, you know, a lot, of, a lot of weight is put on, you know, these people are crazy. They have mental problems. But also there seems to be a narrative appearing that is really about young men just breaking like they have a they have a like a uh, a life incident and they just crack. They may have been functional before that and no issues. Is there a nexus somewhere he, you hear see developing um you know between you know as you're I'm sure as you are observing our students and looking for red flags or looking for warning signals are these kind of areas shaping up is that what you're seeing there's there's the men- mental health issue and then there are life events that are breaking young people and making them do stupid things. Any, any of that? I know you're not the, the mental health person and you, but if, any, any color you can put on that? Maybe Jeff, you can too, what you're seeing. That's a great question. Um, and actually this is the type of conversation that we look forward to having with our parents in our community on September the 15th. Uh, I think, Aaron, what we have learned and really what all educators have learned, especially over the last decade, is that these types of behaviors that may lead to either self-harm or harming others, they usually begin to appear at a very early age. And so our staff is working very closely with our teachers, with our counselors, our social workers even in the elementary schools, to try to identify, to look for the signals and the symptoms of these emerging behaviors so that we can intervene and provide support and make sure that children are getting the resources that they may need to avert and avoid any kind of a a real tragedy like we've seen in the news. So every student, every situation is different. And our staff often refers to uh, the, the behaviors and the patterns that lead up to um, any kind of a critical incident as being a constellation. And our responsibility is to try to almost map out, as we see these behaviors emerging, what is the constellation, what's the thread that we now need to pay attention to that would indicate to us that something is happening in this individual's life that if we don't intervene now and make sure that he or she gets the resources, that it's going to lead to something more tragic down the road. Yeah, because it always it doesn't appear as a pathology. You know, it, it's it doesn't appear that it's a chemical thing or um, you know it's an illness uh, with a pathology. It is 
you know, it's very hard to pin down. I mean, I, I can't imagine how a teacher could be asked to effectively identify these things and help with these things while they're trying to do everything else. Yeah, and, and that, speaks to, that, that speaks to the complexity and the challenge of being an educator today. Uh, yeah. you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when probably most of our audience was growing up, teacher's job was much more one-dimensional. You teach the basics. But now teachers are almost, in essence, social workers in addition to being instructors. Yeah. And it's very difficult. That's why, truthfully, so many... Uh, young people are not going into the profession or our experienced teachers are leaving the profession because now they bear these burdens in addition to just wanting yeah. to teach. Yeah, it, it is a it is a massive or major question that lays over our country is why wasn't this happening when we were kids? Yeah. You know what? You know, it's tough. It's, it's no one knows. Something right. has shifted in the social and the cultural dynamic. And uh, again, uh, that shows you just how uh, multidimensional we have to be as a school district. But honestly, to provide reassurance to our community, it's professionals like Jeremy and Molly May and others who are responsible for all these different dimensions of school security that make this a safer place. All right, big questions. And um, hopefully uh, we can continue to have this dialogue in the town hall. Let's. Um, tell everyone again the date and location and time of this town hall as it sits right now. Um, every, um, our community can join us on September 15th at Hill Country Middle School, and it will begin at 6 p.m. Okay. And when do you start, uh, 6 p.m., 15th, when do you start to put out, um, are you looking for RSVPs or is it general? When you, I haven't seen any communication in a direct way about this, even though it's a couple weeks away. When does that start? It started now. Uh, in fact, we had okay. a board meeting on August the 23rd where we talked about the town hall meeting, but there will be a lot of communication that uh, that will build up to that date. And uh, there's no RSVP that's necessary because we want this to be open to anyone and everyone who would like to attend. Um, so but no children. We, we look forward you don't well, want children I, to attend. Yeah, I, 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 it's probably a topic that uh, children are, you know, they're not going to enjoy and uh, because they'll have their own it's activities an and schoolwork. Yeah. Uh, it's an adult discussion. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, one of our goals on the podcast this season is that we are going to shadow some of our episodes to reinforce the work that you're doing with the town halls and the other communication um, to, to get the word out and promote it. But we also want to follow up. And so after the town hall, you know, Mr. Trimble, would you be willing to come back and maybe if I invited you and perhaps a parent or so that was at the town hall and talk about what happened in the town hall and, you know, be honest and clear enough to say, you know, we, there was something we didn't talk about or, you know, we didn't have an answer then, but we have it now. Would you be willing to do that? 100%, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, that's a date. And you don't have a requirement for green M&Ms being removed from the bowl or anything like that, right? You're, you're a much oh, easier I'm guest easy. than Jeff. I'm easier, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's pretty eccentric, this guy. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's even than... lower maintenance than I am. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he likes he likes cafe, but not really. There's certain things he wants to drink coffee. Splenda, Splenda. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for being part of our season opener, season two. Such an important, important topic that affects 
there's not a, there's no one in the district that's not affected by this issue and i hope that the parents come out and i hope that this uh goal you have uh, dr arnett of opening this communication and this dialogue is very successful for you you know we wish you all the best of luck and again thank you for thank you for being here today well hey aaron thanks for letting us be a guest on your program and we'll look forward to continued conversations thank you aaron Thanks for joining us on the Eans Parents United podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Eans Kids First, ensuring that Eans prioritizes our children's well-being, honors parental rights, and unites our incredible community. To learn more about our mission or to donate to our cause, please visit us at eanskids.com. That's E-A-N-E-S kids.com. <laughs>